Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, thank you, Ken. Good evening, ResLife. It is good to be here with you. And uh, as, as I share with you, the uh, last couple of times I've been with you, I was here over the last three weeks. I've been here with you a few times. And I'm just uh, tonight going to continue the thought of where we went during those two times we've had together. We've talked about the fact that John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And tonight I'm going to continue this theme of how do you know that you're in the way? How do you know the way in your life? And it's Jesus. And that song, Ken, that song just set it up because that, that had several verses in it tied to a couple of Bible stories I'm going to share with you tonight. And then at the end of this service, you need to know there's going to be a time of reflection. Ken's going to come back out and sing, and there's going to be a place and a space for you and those of you who are watching online, a place and a space for you to come into the presence of the Lord for something in your life. I don't know what it is. You get to choose that. But tonight I'm going to make a place for you to be able to do that. I want you to have communion with the Lord tonight. And I love Sunday night because it's very relaxed. I'm just going to talk to you from my heart. I'm going to share with you some more things. Um, I've just finished a week of vacation. Don't feel bad for me. I've been in Florida all week. I've been walking the beach and I've been praying and I've been spending time with the Lord. I've been looking at his creation and I want you to know God is good. Uh, he's got everything covered. Uh, he's not sweating a lot of the things the world seems to be sweating right now. And so tonight I come again to remind you that Lord, that God who created that stuff, he created you. He wants communion with you. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to be peaceful in him. And tonight, I'm going to give you some simple things. I, I wrote several things down. I'm just going to share them with you, and we're going to talk them through. And I want you to apply these things to your life. The first one is this. As soon as I say it, you're going to be like, well, I know that, but I want, I want you to think about it. The first thing I want to say to you in these days ahead, I want you to live with this in your mind all the time. I want you to pray without ceasing. Now, that's a passage in the Bible. We all know that. But what does that mean? I mean, does that literally mean, like, starting right now, go, never stop praying? I, I don't think that's what it's literal, but I don't think that's what it means. Jesus did not pray all the time. He spent time in conversations. Jesus spent time working on things. But I think what it means is he never lost connection with the Father. See, there's the key. Uh, in San Francisco, there are these trolleys, and the trolleys are connected by these little overhead electric wires. They never leave those electric wires. This trolley stops here. Trolley goes over here. Trolley, pick up over here. Trolley goes around. But it's always going to, if you go and clip those lines, the trolley's dead. That is the same thing we all, maybe it's one of the reasons we lift our hands when we praise the Lord. Maybe we need to have these connectors. That just allow us to go, yeah, I'm doing okay because I'm connected to the Father. Amen. I'm in communion with Him. But watch, for, I just got to talk about my life. As I walked on the beach and I preached these things through in my mind, I thought, Dan, where is it that you don't have that place where you can pray without ceasing? And I'll tell you where it is for me when self gets in charge. Um, I have moments in life, see if y'all relate to this. I get so frustrated sometimes in situations. I don't know. God's kind of made me this way. I'm a very sensitive person, et cetera. But there are times I get so frustrated that I feel like my little capillaries are going to explode. I'm so frustrated. 
And it's really hard in that moment to go, you know what I'm feeling like? Prayer. That's not what's happening inside me. Some of you had a situation in your family today. You probably needed prayer, but you didn't want to because you're too angry. And any time for me that I know I can't immediately go to the Father, that my connectors, look, look, I've kind of taken my finger off because I'm getting myself involved. I got my hand on the situation. Most situations are best if we keep our hands off of them and on the Father. Right now in our nation, I got to tell you, I, my prayer, I've been working on this little email that I want to send out that I'm going to post, etc. It's just not where I want it to be yet. But I, I got to tell you right now what I'm concerned about is I don't see our nation doing this. I see our nation doing this. We're going to fix it. We're going to decide. I want to tell you something. Right here is your Savior. Right here is your decision maker. Right here is the one that you need to pray to. Let me just encourage you, do not be praying to a party. Be praying to a Savior named Jesus. I want to see you connected here in your life. Because the peace does not get lost in your life when you have these connecting rods. Pray without ceasing. Never be at a place... Check yourself the next week. Hey, keep, keep a little running tally on your own life. See if there's a spot where you go, I can't pray right now. I've heard people say, I just can't pray right now. That means there's a whole lot of you that needs to still be surrendered. Check your life for that place because Jesus never lacked a moment where he wasn't immediately able to talk to the Father. Don't let that happen in your life. A second thing, this one's really big. Remember this, God always, always has your best interest in mind. Uh, I want to add another point to this. Okay, God always has your interest in mind. Another point to it. Always, always. There isn't a place in your life that where God does not have your best interest in mind. Now, I want to say this. If you're finding yourself in a pickle tonight, you don't like the situation you're in, check and see if you have any responsibility in where you got yourself there or how you got yourself. If there's any responsibility in your behavior that puts yourself in that spot, you need to own that. Don't blame that on God. A lot of people get in a bad spot. God, why did you put me here? No, you chose to go there many times. Then when you get there, get the bailout mentality. God, bail, don't you care about me, God? Well, I do. And I'm trying to help you see that you chose that path. Tonight, some of you are in a tough situation because of some of your own life decisions. God wants to help you with that, but he also expects you to be responsible for your decisions. God's a God of responsibility. And this whole idea of making sure you realize that God always has your best interest in mind involves you making good, good choices and decisions. And I want to take you to a story in the Bible where I was reading just this week in Deuteronomy chapter 2. And I want to read to you something that happens. Y'all know the story of the Israelites. This is Moses, Deuteronomy, telling the story of the Israelites wandering for 40 years in the desert. And in Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 7, listen to this. Moses is speaking and Moses says, The Lord your God has blessed you and all that you have done. He has known your wanderings through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have never lacked anything. I, I got to thinking about that. I'm putting myself as one of the Israelites in the desert wandering for 40 years. I lacked some stuff, good food, 
I mean, there had to be a point. They go, okay, this is nice, this manna, but come on, 40 years of manna, y'all be tired of it. Um, what about this? God, you say we don't need anything. You say you've taken care of us. I would just like a nice bath. I'd like to, do y'all know what those people look like after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness? Do you know what they smell like? They're in the desert. And the Bible says they lacked nothing. You, you know what I noticed about myself this week? You know what I like? Anonymities. Little things that make my life better. When I sit by the pool, that I have the right place and the right spot to sit my cup. Now I've got God's favor. <laughs> and I want to say to you, we've become so used to anonymities that we think we lack stuff that we don't really lack. All you need, all you really need is to know that you have the Lord God as your Savior. If you really want to get down to everything you need to know about this world, because we're all passing, the one thing you really need is Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All the other stuff are just blessings and things and favors that come your way. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. And I'm learning this more and more. I used to be more about, I need, to, you know what I need? To, you know, I need this and this and this. Uh-uh. Even tonight when I speak, I love some regular room temperature water. The guys here, they always know it. They have it for me, et cetera. But this is an anonymity. I can stand up here and speak without this. I like it, but I don't have to have it. And in the world we live in, I saw it today. I was watching the news today, and I was, oh, what we need, what we need, what we need, what we got to have, what we got to have, what we got to have. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm going, wow, that's what's wrong with us. We, even as believers in God, have bought into this thing that, you know what? That's true. In fact, there was an ad came on for some type of a program, and it said, you, ready for the word, deserve this. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, and I deserve that sitting here while I'm drinking my cool water. And that's what's happened to us. You think the Israelites had a harder life than you had? Do you think the Israelites would have liked to have voted for a different ruler? I mean, y'all realize how many of them were wandering in the desert, right? And y'all know they didn't have texting and stuff, right? Y'all get he, that Moses wasn't going, okay, moving forward now. He, he, he didn't do that. Sin, he didn't do that. There had to be people way in the back of the line that didn't even move for a day. All right, we're going out, heading out. He said, heading out, heading out, heading out, heading out. We're not moving. It's been three hours. We haven't moved. How do you know it's been three hours? You don't have a watch. <laughs> they waited a lot. I guarantee you somebody in the back of that line said, we need a different ruler. We need a different loot. I don't think Moses is hearing from God anymore. And I want to tell you that Moses himself had moments where he questioned it. But when he went to the father... The father told Moses, do you not think I got this covered? I have not missed any of your wonderings. I have made sure you lacked nothing. Tonight, if I can say this really boldly, there is not a person in here who lacks because you have the opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, you have the opportunity to know him tonight. You lack nothing because Jesus is your everything. 
I'm, I'm just telling you the facts. You say, that, that just, that's what preachers say. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, we need to lose the I deserve mentality. And we need to humble ourselves and, Je- and say, Jesus, walk with me and guide me through this stuff. Make sure I don't get out of whack and out of balance and focus on myself. Because he always, always has your best interest in mind. And you guys have walked with me through it. You walked with me through it. I did not hide it from you when my daughter was wayward. I did not um, act like I didn't have troubles because I believe in this world we do have troubles. And going through that journey in my life was the most difficult thing I've ever been through. I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. I would come and preach. And you guys know my story. And I did not stop. And I got to stand here and tell you today, okay, that daughter that I talked about five, six, seven years ago, that daughter is actually going to a Bible study right now on Wednesdays with some ladies from this church. Uh, that daughter now has a little boy. His name is Elisha. She actually named him when we were sitting in a service here. I was preaching at Res Life and I was telling the story of Elisha. And when I said the word Elisha, the baby kicked in the womb. And after the service, she said, Dad, I'm calling this baby Elisha because he kicked in the womb when you said the name. And that little boy is a bundle of joy. You see him, he's the happiest little sucker in the world. He's smiling all the time. I believe God had our family's best interest in mind through some really hard days. Were there some wrong choices made? Mm -hmm. Did some things not work out as I would like them to work out? Mm -hmm. But I believe that God can always use whatever scenario you are going through to bring about his will and accomplish his bigger purposes. And tonight there's somebody sitting in here and you're feeling, and I'll just say it, sucky about yourself. You don't like your decisions. You don't like where you're at. You don't like that I even said there's some responsibility in where you're at tonight. But I want to tell you, if you will invite Jesus to that very spot, he's willing. And he will take what feels like a crumbled life and a crumbled situation and he will turn it into something good that brings honor and glory and praise to his name. And I really believe that because I've experienced it. I've seen it firsthand. I've walked down the road. I walked on that beach this week and I, I, I was reminded there was a few years ago when I was walking on that beach when my phone would ring or it be, I don't know if you guys have ever had a wayward child. I can just tell you what it feels like when you see their name on your phone, you kind of, your heart goes, oh man. And I remember I had those days and I walked on the beach and when the phone rang and it was her, I was so happy to see that name come up. And I was like, Lord, let me stop and praise you a moment. You had a really good plan going on that you were working in maneuver. You're going to somehow, you, you're going to use this for your glory, aren't you? And tonight, he has your best interest in mind. Let me tell you some things about me standing here today that were not true eight years ago, okay? I've been through a lot. I've grown through a lot. God's done some wonderful things for me. And I want to tell you, I'm kinder. Going through this thing with my daughter, um, I'm more loving to parents. There are some of you in here tonight who have a wayward child. Oh my goodness, my heart just loves you. God changed me. I'm not near as um, judgmental. 
When I was a youth pastor, I remember I would see these kids who weren't always doing the best. And, and I didn't say it out loud, but back in my head, I'd be like, I wonder what their parents are doing wrong. And then after I had a child who made wrong decisions, I'm like, that kid's doing wrong. I ain't doing wrong. <laughs> changed. It changed. And some of you are going through a really tough situation tonight. You feel very alone. You feel very secluded. And God's saying to you, I want to use this. If you can just, can you just, can you flip your mentality on that and realize I have your best interests in mind here. I'm letting you go through this because I really love you. I want to make you a better person. I want you to finish your life even closer to me. And through this circumstance, I'm drawing you to me. And tonight I invite you, whatever that place is in your life, I invite you just to step right into Jesus and go, Jesus, I'm going to do that tonight. And in a little bit when we have this closing song, it's going to be a sweet little reflective song. When that happens, I'm inviting some of you just to walk up here and kneel and say, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to come and I'm going to trust and I'm going to believe that you have my best interest in mind tonight. I have this friend, I, I said to them a while back as we were talking through this, I said, you really believe God always has those who follow him? You, you really believe he has their best interests in mind? <laughs> and they responded, always, without question. And I love that. And tonight I want you to hear that. If you came up to me right now and told me your scenario and said, Dan, listen to what happened to me. And I will look at you and I will say, I believe that God has your best interests in mind, even in that spot. I also believe God, in his wisdom, knows that some of you can handle some pretty heavy things. And he wants to use you to maybe reach a neighbor. To maybe reach somebody in your family. To maybe reach somebody who will sit with you on next Sunday morning in church. And you don't even know their story, but they're sitting right there so desperate right beside you. And God said, I placed you here and I gave you this thing so that you could minister to them. You just got to get your antennas up. You got to pray without ceasing. You got to be looking for the moments where God wants to use you. This is a Sunday night audience. And those of you who are watching online, I mean, if you're watching online tonight or you're here tonight, you're pretty serious about your faith. And I'm asking you to, to grapple with this idea of saying, God, if you always have my best interests in mind, then let me embrace some of these moments better than I have been. And let me see what it might be you have in store for my life. To me, that's knowing the way. A third thing that I believe um, is a good way to know the way is this. Live wise and live without fear. Live wise and live without fear. Um, faith, trust, belief, knowing that God is in control. I want to tell you a little story from the Bible. I'm going to tell you three stories, not from the Bible. I already told you the Israelites there wandering in the wilderness. This is one, again, about the Israelites. So they had worked in Egypt. There was about 600,000 of the Israelites who had been taken captive into the land of Egypt. And they were being used by Pharaoh, basically as slaves. Whatever he needed them to do, that's what they did. And they had even got comfortable with that. Many of the Israelites said, this is fine. This is great. We'll just do this till we die. And Moses is like, no, it's time for us to go. It's time for us to head out. We are to be freed from this. And so they made the decision and Pharaoh let them go and said, let them go. And so after all those plagues, they were let go. And then as, <laughs> as they were leaving, 
the Bible said that Pharaoh looked out and he saw 600,000 Israelites leaving his country. And he said to himself, what am I doing? Those are my slaves. I could use them. What am I thinking? And the Bible even says God hardened his heart. And he sent after them. Here's the Israelites walking out of the lands of Egypt, okay? 600,000, remember, there's just a few hundred in here. When you fill up you know, the main sanctuary here, you guys got about 2,500. So think of 600,000 people walking out. And the Bible says that Pharaoh got all of his chariots, all of his fighting men, everybody who could help him because he changed his mind and said, I'm going back and it's going to take a while to round up 600,000 people. And the Israelites get out there and you know the end of the story, but imagine you don't. They end up against the Red Sea. They're standing there, Moses, their leaders, taking them to here. They look out and the Bible says they looked out and saw Pharaoh and all of his armies coming after them. They are up. Have you ever been like, like where I was at? I was by the Gulf of Mexico this week. If you've ever been out Lake Michigan, when you get there and you look back, all that's over here is water. And this is all. So you think about it. Pharaoh's army's got them surrounded. The only thing they can do is drown. And you know the story. Moses even said to God, what, was there not enough graves over there in Egypt? Did you, did you just bring us out here to let us die? Oh, you, you didn't see any place for us over there. This is all about us dying. And God's like, Moses, do you trust me? Tonight, you're backed up in your life against the Red Sea. You've even said to God, God, do you not see me? And I think God responds with, do you not see me? I mean, do I need to read to you the whole book of Job like I did a few nights ago? <laughs> Somebody said, no. That whole thing is about God telling us through Job, he's got this covered. And I, I want you to know where they went through at the Red Sea here. That wall of water based on the depth of the area we went through, they walked a long way and there were 600,000 of them and it was many, many feet high, hundreds of feet high, the water. So God had that little cloud that separated the Israelites from, from Egypt's, from Pharaoh's army. He had that little cloud that spread them apart so that they could not see each other. Think about that. And then he says, Moses begin to walk and, and the bottom of that sea is, is dry and, they, and they're walking through. I am putting myself in that story and imagine walking along and just, just think of families, think of little kids. Mom, how's that water, how's that water of like standing up like that? And I know what I would be saying to my kids, who I'll tell you later right now, just walk, let's go, keep walking. We'll talk about this later. Can you imagine if they would have had this in that day? Dude, you gotta gotta check this out. I mean, that's some crazy stuff that's happening right there. And the whole point of that story is this. You ready? God has paths you don't know about. That whole story right there is to let you know when your back is up against what appears to be the wall and there's no way out, listen, add to it. No way out for man, but there still is a way out for God. See, he is not limited. 
God is not in heaven going, oh no, they're not going to be able to figure it out. No, he's saying, won't you turn to me? Moses, Moses, why are you listening to the chatter of the 600,000? Why don't you listen to the voice of your creator? Some of you have believed what you've believed about your, your whole life about yourself because of what somebody said about you or didn't say about you. I, I'm 16. I'm finally actually starting to believe and accept that God really created me this way for his glory. I had lots of things that I never believed in about myself. Things my dad said. My brother, I only have one sibling. He was the anointed preacher. I remember when I felt called to be a preacher. My mom, I love her to death. God rest her soul. She's in heaven. She believes in me and loves me. But I remember, I remember when I told her, my mom, feel called to be a preacher. And she said, oh, no, you're not really supposed to be a preacher. Your brother's that. You'll do something else. You're just trying to be like your brother. And I knew I had a calling. And I love my mom. But those words haunted me for years going, well, maybe I'm not supposed to do it. How many of you in this room are not doing what God's laid on your heart to do because somebody else told you? I don't know. I just don't see the giftedness in you. Let me tell you something. Ministry isn't always standing up here preaching to a crowd of people. Ministry happens all day long when your wires are connected. Ministry happens at the Meyer gas station. Lots of ministry happens there. You want to do some real ministry, go to Walmart. It's everywhere there. There's ministry opportunities all around the world. But see, we think, oh, you got to be a preacher. You got to be a teacher. You got to be a prophet. No, you got to be a God follower. Just be available. Be open and willing to what God wants you to do. Make sure you understand that when you live without fear and you're willing to say, when my back's against the wall, God, I'm just going to trust you here, he'll walk with you. And I've had plenty of things that I've done in ministry that flopped. I've had some really things that I thought were so cool. This has got to be God's will. This is really cool. It's flopped. I remember one opportunity I had to speak because that's what I do. I speak for a living and I thought, this opportunity I got here, it, oh man, I can't believe I got it. It's going to open so many doors for me. I did one of what I would call the most horrible speeches in my entire life. As I look back, what, a, what was I doing that day? And as I look now, I think it's because God didn't want me to go down that road with those people and get connected with all that. He has a, he has a plan, see. I looked at it as, God, what are you doing? And God's going, taking care of you? <laughs> Trying to make sure you don't screw your life up? And we like to decide for God what his will is. You don't need to make God's decisions for him. You need to trust him and not fear. Next little thing that I wrote down that I think is important in our life is to make sure that you are joyful on purpose. Watch this. Laughter is fleeting, but joy is eternal. Laughter comes and goes. Joy cannot be taken away from you. Tonight, no matter your circumstance, you can still have joy in your heart. Jesus was joyful because he had the relationship with the Father. The world couldn't take it away. Joy doesn't always look like, <laughs> it doesn't always look that way. You know how I know that? 
because of yesterday. So I got back from this trip to Florida. Jane and I just got back. On the flight, literally sitting on the flight, about to leave Florida, I, I actually I'd already was in the air, and I always keep my phone on illegally. And I had my phone on for a second because I always like to see, you know, they say that about you'll control the plane. I've tried, man. I push buttons. I can't make it turn right or left. So I got my phone, and I get a text saying, uh, this lady, I called her Granny Van Weeren. She's not my granny, but when, when Jane and I moved to Holland with our children 30-plus years ago, there was a lady, Grampy and Granny Van Weeren, I call them. They took us into their home. They had us over for Christmas every year. They loved us like their own children. And I got a text saying she's just fallen. She's broken both her legs. And they're not thinking she's going to live for another week. And I, I responded as soon as I could. And I said, oh, my goodness, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in a flight out there. And so as soon as I landed, I sent a text and said, can I come see her? So I went to see her yesterday at 3 o'clock. Granny Van Weeren, 99. I walked up to the little bed that her daughter and her son-in-law had put in their house. And I, I grabbed her hand and I said, Granny Van Weeren, it's Dan. I wanted to come and pray with you. And she was asleep. They had her sedated some because she broke both of her legs right here. And I just began to talk into her ear. When I was um, training for my ministry, I was at a VA hospital and they always taught me, just talk softly in their ear. You don't ever know what people are hearing, but you assume they hear everything. I said, great. So that's what I did with Granny. I started telling her how much I loved her. I started telling my favorite memories of her. I started telling her what she meant to me. I'm crying. Some of the family's crying. And then all of a sudden, Granny just took her arm, her old 99-year-old arm, and she started coming up. And she got it around my neck. And she just held it. Her eyes would barely open. Her circumstance stinks. As I was kissing her, I kissed her forehead several times. There was a joy in Granny that is not determined by this world or her circumstances. She went to be with Jesus at six this morning. She's fine. She's all good because... Her joy has been made complete. And I want to tell you tonight, that joy that she had, even laying there at 99 with two broke legs and her arm around my neck, could not be taken away. You could hear it in her voice. She was going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what she was saying. She loved me. And I love her too. And you can't take that joy away. Today, nothing can take that joy out of your life if you decide my joy is found in Jesus. It can't be taken away. And I'm pushing you hard tonight because doggone it, I don't care what happens in the next few weeks. Do not let it determine your joy. Your joy is solid and secure in Jesus Christ tonight. And I close with the thought, that I want you to make your decisions intentionally.
Make your decisions intentionally. Your decisions have ramifications. What you decide to do and how you decide to do it matters. I'm working with a person right now, talked to them yesterday, who is who's toying very seriously about going out on their marriage and being done with it and having an affair. And I'm telling them, I'm just trying to tell you, so I'm saying, I'm just trying to tell you, when you get there, you will not be glad you made that decision. I'm just trying to tell you. There's kids involved. There's shrapnel involved. People are going to be hurt. But guess what? They get to make their decision. And tonight, you do too. You get to decide. In fact, the last story I want to tell you is about a dude who got to decide. You remember back in the book of Genesis, there's a story about the fact that men became so evil that all the people on the earth were evil and even the inclinations of their heart was toward evil. But God found one man who wasn't that way. Noah. Can y'all imagine the pressure on a man's life? who decided to live faithful when everybody else decided to live evil. Do you know what it must have been like for him when God said to him, and hey, I need you to do something for me. I want you to build a very large boat. Now, people are going to notice this boat. It's going to be fairly big. When they come by, they're going to say, what are you doing? And you're going to have to look at them and say, I'm building a boat. I'm getting ready for water. We don't have water. It's coming. How do you know? I'm trusting God. I want you to see something about this man named Noah, and I want you to make sure you understand it tonight. The Bible says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I'm going to read it. Listen to this. Noah was a righteous man. Decision. Don't miss the decisions here. Noah was a righteous man. Decision. Blameless. Decision. Among the people of his time, Noah walked with God. Decision. See, tonight, you have a, you're going to leave out that exit door. Those of you watching online, you're going you're gonna to log off. And you have tonight to decide, what am I going to do? Walk with God or walk for me? It's a decision. It's your call. Well, Dan, what do you think I should do? I know what you should do, but I don't get to go make your decisions for you. I know what I got to do. I got to go make the right decisions. Noah was faithful in seeking God, decision. He was spared because God rewards those who earnestly seek him, decision. Noah was not perfect or sinless. He was faithful, decision. See, tonight you got to make a decision. (laughs) We live in a world right now, that's the whole title of everything they do, decision. And I want to say, right here is your decision. Are you going to decide to fully say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm going with you. I'm not coming down to the 5,000 foot view. I'm staying at 30,000 feet. Again, flying home, looking down at the earth and 30,000 feet. Wow, it's a beautiful place. Looks pretty good to me. And today, you have to make a decision. And you have to be intentional. Am I going to honor God with my life? 
Am I going to please him? Some of you today, just like the person I talked about five minutes ago, you're at a place where you got to make a decision. And right now you're leaning toward the decision that says, but that looks like that's going to be in my best favor, really. If you weigh it long term, is it? If you really look at it, stepping back, is it, is it really best for you? Is it honoring of God? Because I promise you, doing it God's way. So far, checking the book, checking the history, checking the end of the book. So far, making your decisions to honor God pays off. When you don't, there's consequences. There's pain, there's hurt. But the enemy of the soul, see, is out to try to get everybody to do that. Tonight I'm telling you that before time began and after time is all complete, God has been forever. Jesus is the answer and will always be. And the more I age, the more I must, I, I'm going to tell you all what I'm going to start preaching more and more every time you hear me preach. Jesus. Because he is the answer. And I believe it strongly. So tonight... Um, I asked Ken earlier this week, will you, will you close the whole night out with a little song? So we're going to listen to this song. Those of you online, I invite you just to take a moment wherever you are, sitting at a table, laying in your bed, on your couch. I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're eating dinner. Maybe you're watching a little football on the side. Maybe just pause football a second. Line's going to lose. Just pause it. Actually, I think they won. They won. Last second play. Oh, sorry if I ruined that for those of you who record it. Um, but, sorry, man. But I want you to know that Pause it a second. Tune into this song. Tune into the words of this song. Those of you here in the house, tune into this song. If the Lord has spoken to you, if there's a decision, if there's a tug on your heart just to surrender to him again in some area, if there's just a need to come and say, Jesus, I'm, I'm all in, and I want to remind you that I'm all in. You have unlimited reasons that you can come and lay yourself before Jesus tonight. But we got a nice area up here. We have prayer partners here tonight who will pray with us too. Those of you online, you can reach out. There's right there on your screen a way to reach out. But I want you tonight to have this moment with Jesus. And I want you to know, going back to probably about 2000, 2100, 2200 B.C., Noah did this. Moses did this. They went and just got before the Father. So you're just following the trail of a whole bunch of faithful people. So tonight I invite you as Ken sings this song to just focus in on the Lord. And if he's speaking to you, come and kneel, come and pray online, pause and pray. Let's spend some time with Jesus. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.